on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. TVSA TV Club. How are you? How you doing? It's it's the week of October 19th in TV world. We got another episode for you, just like the song says. Uh, this episode, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, my guest today is Rami from, from Rami. Uh, he is one of my favorite comedians. So great in the show. Brilliant actor. Honestly, look, I'll be real with you because you're TV Club. I can tell you this. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've interviewed a lot of very attractive people, very nice, funny, wonderful people. This is the first time I interviewed someone and I was like, I'm getting lost in your eyes. Like just the most charming, like, I just, I needed a moment. That's all else. Just, just such a wonderful soul of a person. Uh, Anyway, let's get it going. We'll have plenty of time uh, to talk to Rami and about Rami, uh, the show. But before we do that, let me get into my watch list. I, I've been enjoying some new TV. We got a lot of new things that have come out. And I dove right in for you, for you, TV Club. We're also going to do something special you might have seen on the Twitter this week. On the Twitter, like I'm my mom. Uh, on the TV I Say Twitter and on mine. We were asking you to send us voice messages about your favorite shows. I want to hear from you about the shows I'm talking about that you're watching, the shows that I, you know, I want to hear from you. This is TV Club. It only works if you talk about TV together, right? So if you're feeling it, hit our hit our Instagram, send us a voice message. Tell me what you're watching. Tell me what you want me to watch. Send me your thoughts on anything. Maybe you're like, hey, I've been watching old episodes of Cheers and I just want to tell you about it. Ashley, go right ahead. I'm here to listen. So my watch list, I, I want to start actually with Reboot. I'm really happy because Eva hit us up on the Instagram. By the way, my username is at the Ashley Ray or at TV I Say Pod, either one. But Eva hit me up and she wanted to let me know exactly why she's excited to watch Rachel Bloom in this new role on Hulu. Um, Right now, the show I'm like obsessed with is Reboot off of Hulu. I don't know. I just really love Rachel Bloom playing a lesbian. Like that's, in, like that's the only reason you need to watch that show is Rachel Bloom playing a lesbian. It reminds me a lot of the show episodes from Showtime. It's a lot of the same concept, which is like the way a TV show is filmed and the way, like, you know, writers and producers, um, you know, affect the way a TV show is made. And, you know, you start off with one idea and then actors and then everybody's trying to give in their own thoughts. And it, like, it starts as one thing and then it ends up as another. So, but this one I really like. Just watch Reboot off of Hulu if you're looking for, like, a like a good, lighthearted comedy with good writing. I like the the writing is really well done. And it's really funny. It's a really funny show. I have been loving Reboot. Every week, it just gets stronger and stronger. It's just a well 
written sitcom. Everyone is bringing their A game. Most importantly, hot Johnny Knoxville. Hot, hot, hot Johnny Knoxville. Gray haired, hot Johnny Knoxville. I, I'm loving it. I'm so just thankful to have hot Johnny Knoxville. Uh, Eva has her own reasons <laughs> for, for liking Rachel Bloom. I also love Rachel in the show. Uh, but that gray haired Johnny Knoxville, just we got we to gotta just be thankful, I think, that that happened, that we got that in the world. And we get to see it. We get to see it every week. Uh, but Reboot is really funny. It's on Hulu. You know, I, I think we're going to be talking about it more this season, bringing in someone from the show. That'll be really fun. Next up, I want to give a thank you to Leah, who is newly hooked on Netflix's The Mole. Uh, take a listen why. I only started watching it very begrudgingly with a friend, but it worked and it like sucked me in, even though I do feel like I can identify like the amazing raceness and the survivorness and the even like the dark nightness of it all. I feel like it's working and I feel like I'm invested. I'm actually have multiple theories on who the mole is and they are good at kind of like casting doubt across a good enough amount of people that you don't have enough certainty to get bored with it. And the personalities I feel are pretty good for the show where every Everyone is quite reserved for the most part and it's hard to really know what people are thinking and even in the editing I think and what's revealed about the cast members is kind of creates this air of like you know distrust. So I have not watched The Mole. I have not started this Netflix version. I do remember The Mole being a reality show on network TV. I I, I have a hard time with these kind of shows. I, I think everyone in TV club knows Famously, I I do not watch Survivor or Big Brother. Every week people are like, Ashley, please, 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 please get into Big Brother, get into Survivor. I I just there's something about the mole, Survivor, Big Brother, these like kind of game reality producer shows that it's just it's too produced, you know? So if you if you all keep petitioning me, I will start one of them, the mole, Survivor, or Big Brother. You vote, you tell me what you want to do. But if you all if you all make it happen, I'll do one. But speaking of like more realistic reality shows, I got into Love Off the Grid uh, because, you know, I watch stuff on Discovery Plus and then I just kind of let it roll the dice. When you watch something on just like you watch 90 Day Fiance and then it'll just be like, I'm going to play Extreme Sisters. And now it's three hours later and you're obsessed with like these people who live in the mountains. But I got into this show, Love Off the Grid, that was first on Discovery Plus. So you can watch the whole season there, but they are just debuting it on TLC. So you can watch it weekly on Hulu. And it's basically people who have fallen in love with people who want to live off the grid. People who are like, I hate society. I get water from the side of a mountain. And then these people are like, well, I'm from California and I love spas and I'm going to go live with this guy because he's loving my life. Uh, there's this older lady who is truly a badass. Like she, she is building her own house and killing rattlesnakes. She has no fear. And then this super hot, like 25 year old guy who's all muscle, long hair, looks like he'd be able to handle a little heat and hard work. He shows up and he clearly is not as into her as Maybe they used to be. And he basically is just like, well, I still think she's hot, but I think it's like gross. She lives like this. <laughs> and she I mean, she has one of the better setups of everyone. Like, you know, she is a mom and she's older. She she's been doing this for a while. 
And it's just so funny. Um, so, you know, I got into it. It's a really short season. I watched the entire thing. It's just one of those reality shows you watch on a weekend when you're folding your clothes. Throw it on. Uh, and there's a lot of that going around right now. Netflix also has Bling Empire, which I got started on. Bling Empire is a reality show I watch and truly I never have any idea what's going on. I never know what's happening. I don't I don't know if there's a plot. I don't know if they want me to think there's a plot. I don't I don't even think they're concerned with the plot of the show. It's just like a show with scenes where things kind of happen. Like suddenly you're just like Kane is upset with this person, so now they're having boba and then 20 minutes later it's like Anna is shopping in Paris whatever. It's tableaus. I like it. I watch it. But if you do want something a little heavier, uh, The Vow season two is out. I started it last night, uh, which I am doing for you, TV Club, because if you know anything about me and my writing uh, for the AV Club, I wrote a piece uh, on Seduced versus The Vows. Uh, Both of those are documentaries on the Nexium cult. They came out about the same time. The Vow came out first. And it's 10 episodes long. It's on HBO. It's so long and tedious. And it's made by two former members of the cult. Uh, and a lot of that, they were like leaders in it. So a lot of it is them trying to just, uh, just ignore their own accountability and blame and what they've done themselves. Uh, and at the same time, Seduce came out, which was made with the mother of one of the victims. Uh, and it was very like victim forward, like, most of the women who had come forward worked with the producers of Seduced, uh, who I had on the first season of the podcast. They were my first guest. Uh, so you know that I am team Seduced all the way. But, uh, you know, Seduced is is a, a mini limited series. We're not getting more of it. And so The Vow season two starts basically with Keith's trial. We take up from a little before he gets arrested in Mexico to when like the articles start coming out. He goes into hiding and we pick up there. It is odd because so Nancy Salzman, who was like number two in the cult, she is interviewed in this doc. And I believe there was some controversy because Keith Ranieri was also interviewed uh, and they were like both paid. And it does already feel like a lot of it is is damage control for Nancy. It is really painting this picture of like, oh, poor Nancy. She didn't know any better. She was just like, blah, blah, silly, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that doesn't really align with what so many of the victims said in terms of Nancy looking the other way on purpose or helping him hide money uh, and do, you know, more illicit paperwork things. So we'll see where it goes. But, you know, you know, Mark, we know that you're making the vow and it's we, we your biases are sometimes clear in your documentary work. So we will see how that goes. Uh, speaking of the documentary world, uh, if you remember Netflix's Abducted in Plain Sight, which of course you do, of course you remember it because it is famously one of Netflix's most insane documentaries. Abducted in Plain Sight, it is the story of a young girl who is kidnapped two times uh, by a pedophile in the 1950s, 60s, uh, and how this happened, how this, this Mormon family that at a time when people didn't really know about child abuse, uh, was able to lower their defenses and this monster took advantage. So you might've heard they turned it into a limited series 
for Peacock, and it is out now. It's been out for a little bit. It's called A Friend of the Family. There are five episodes. Look, I did not know that I needed this to exist. I originally was like, hey, the documentary tells this story. The victims were involved. It really is one of those stories that doesn't need to be sensationalized. It's so out there already that just watching the documentary is enough. Any sort of TV approach is going to just be too polished and surreal to really get at what is happening here. And that's kind of what's happening in A Friend of the Family. I mean, first off, you have Jake Lacey. You have Jake Lacey. Jake Lacey, you know, from White Lotus, High Fidelity, The Office. Jake Lacey, famously like tall, attractive white man. You have him playing the role of Mr. B, B, the pedophile. And it's weird because on one hand, you have to find someone, an actor so charming that they could play this role and you can see how he convinced a father to do sex acts with him and a mother and, you know, basically seduce the entire family. You have to hire someone that charming, even though the original guy looks like a foot. He looks like a foot with glasses. So, you know, it it is polished to hire someone so attractive to play him. But at the same time, in the world of TV, you need that in order to make it believable. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't work. So Jake Lacey is doing an amazing job. It is honestly terrifying how good he is at this role that like I hate him. And at the same time, he's able to when he's like convincing the wife to cheat and convincing famously in the documentary, the father gave him like a hand job because it's a long, complicated story. But they do that scene, which kudos to those producers. So brave to recreate the father hand job scene in the car. They re- they do it, and this is Colin Hanks playing the father, who is wearing not a great bald cap, but he's there, Colin Hanks, and he's he's pretty good looking too. You know, they 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 do kind of right by the father and the mother, the rest of the cast. But even in this scene, when it's like bald Colin Hanks reluctantly giving a shameful hand job to Jake Lacey, it's like Jake Lacey makes it kind of hot. It's so. He's just too powerful. I don't know, Jake. There's something. There's he's too powerful, and I don't think we've even seen him at full, full throttle, is what I'll say. So, <laughs> I have so much more to say about that show, uh, and and I'm gonna get into it in the newsletter. So, go go subscribe. I'm gonna do a. I, I got a whole write up coming up for you on a friend of the family. Uh, also, I watched The Watcher on Netflix. I don't know. It's a fun kind of spooky season Halloween watch. Uh, The Watcher is based on a true story about this house in New Jersey that's supposedly haunted and people who live there get these weird letters. And it's about that. This family thinks they get their dream home and everything unravels. Basically, it is a character piece for some of our some of the best character actors of our time. You You got Margot Martindale, Jennifer Coolidge everybody's in there. They're chewing down the scenery. It's fun. I watched it in, you know, like a weekend. If if you're not so into the, the horror movies and you want something a little slower paced that isn't super, super scary, uh, give, give the watcher a shot, you know? And finally, 
on the watch list, I've been getting into Atlanta. Uh, the new season is out. And mostly I just want to bring up that I have this conspiracy theory that if the current season of Atlanta had aired last year as the third season, and last year's season, the Europe season had been the last season, this current one, people would have liked it more. I think this current season is giving us the backstory and the building that we needed last year when the show came back. And it's it's great. The episodes are amazing. Last week's episode, it seems like people feel a little burned by last season. They're waiting for the season to finish before they watch. So people aren't really talking about it as much. But hey, tell me what you think. Maybe you disagree. Like I said, hit us up with some voice messages. Tell me your thoughts. I want to hear them, you know. So yeah, that's the watch list. I want to again thank my wonderful listeners who submitted Eva and Leah. Uh, you're you're wonderful. I also love that Leah like sat who like you sounded like you left the cast of the mold to whisper this super secret commentary to us about the show. I love it. Like hello, hey, you've got to hear about this show, the mold. More of that. I truly love you, TV Club. Uh, but you know what else I love? Rami and Mo. So I have the co-creator, co-producer, star of Rami on the show uh, and co-executive producer, co-creator of Mo on Netflix. I've been talking about both these shows since they came out like week over week. Uh, Rami, which just again, going to plug, I guess I, I was in the after show for this last season. So yes, do I want you to go watch the entire show in season three so you can watch me in the after show? Yes, I do. But I have long loved Rami because I think it is one of the best shows right now on guilt sacrifice and the relationship we have with our parents that I think is so unique to minority communities. You know, a lot of times I, when I've had white therapists, I will explain my relationship with my mom or the expectations put on me growing up. And they'll be like, well, why don't you just don't, don't do that. Why don't you just not do that? And it's like, well, that's not how my culture works. Like I take care of my, my mom, my family. And it's a show that really just looks at that expectation in this honest way and the ways that we find to revolt against it in some ways that are self-destructive. So I think the show is really good at that. And then on top of it, it's hilarious. It's so funny. And it's giving us this different picture uh, of the Muslim community that that we've really never seen. Uh, And it's kind of the same with Mo. Uh, which I also talked about. Also, if you know Marina Franklin, she is one of my favorite comedians. Uh, She has a podcast called Friends Like Us. I joined her last week. We got into an in-depth discussion on Rami and Mo uh, with an amazing professor who teaches Middle Eastern studies uh, and Islamic religion. So you can, if you want to, you know, hear me talk about that for like an hour and a half, go, go check out Marina Franklin's podcast. Absolutely hilarious comedian. Um, But Mo, I've been talking about, too. It's set in Houston. It is also about a Muslim family. And it it is funnier, I will say. It's not as dark as Rami. They're both very funny, but it's not as dark. Uh, It is a little lighter. There's, I think it's the one that, like, I would watch with my family. (laughs) If I had to choose, like, I would not watch Rami with my mom. (laughs) But I would watch Mo with my mom. So there you go. I'd say that's the biggest difference. Uh, But it's also really beautiful and gives you this glimpse uh, into something that feels so unique and personal. So we're we're going to talk about how they did that. How do you do 
that how do you make such beautiful intimate television while also making it so funny we're going to talk to rami yusuf who is so charming and wonderful just again want to say so there you go stick around Hey, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be on here with you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Like, where to even begin with this new season? I think what people tend to not know about Rami is that in the show, you were probably the least liked character. <laughs> what? But- <laughs> if you didn't know, if you weren't aware. <laughs> That's always my favorite thing where, where, where people be like, um, like, it's a hot take where someone will be like, yeah, I really like it when uh, it focuses on the other characters. And I'm like, well, yeah, me too. That's why it does. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the sister gets more time this season and stuff. But then people will be like, yeah, I, it's just, Rami just keeps making the wrong choices. And it's like, I think that's kind of the point. I think he's supposed to make mistakes. I don't think you're supposed to like be rooting for him to sleep with his cousin. I don't know. <laughs> Just a guess. Just a guess, you know. But what kind of was your decision making and making him this kind of hard to like character? Well, I, I actually think that, um, you know, there, there's there's so much to talk about with how um, even, even you know, this is the type of character that uh, from when we started making the show is is just the beginning of filling a void of, of what it might look like to have uh, an Arab Muslim guy uh, in a position on a show where um, there isn't this imminent threat of danger. <laughs> so we're starting from a scarcity place. And I think when, when you kind of start from there, there's this um, idea and desire for him to be this really kind of positive beacon of, of everything that we can be. And I, and, and, and I think, because he's not that, I don't think that it means that he's not likable. I just, I think that he's very naked. And I think that we kind of see him operating from his ego in a way that can feel ugly in the way that any of our inner desires that come from that place feel, you know? And, and so yeah. I, I think that we choose to be naked with him in that sense. And I think that we choose to not let him off the hook and a lot of the times where there's that fork in the road between what you probably should do and maybe what you shouldn't do, he, he, he goes the other way. And I think that's what's fun about making the show. But it definitely um, creates this feeling of, you know, stop talking or don't do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, just and please, someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the final scene, I'm not going to give away too much. If you, if you haven't watched yet, go watch. It's all on Hulu. But the final scene of this third season was so just intimate and raw and naked. And, you know, Rami has this realization that he has to grow up, that, you know, there's this thing in his life now that has to have consequences. You have to grow up and face this. And I'm watching this scene and I'm like, obviously you're going to get an Emmy. You should. But I was also just like, oh my God, I thought that this is, I thought this was a comedy. (laughs) You know, it definitely goes to unexpected emotional places. I think throughout the series, even places that I wasn't sure it would go. I think part of the um, engine for the character has always been this seeking, you know, and, and I think that's also been the engine of making the show. 
I feel like we're seeking while we're making it. And so there's this level of what we want to achieve emotionally or philosophically, comedically, spiritually, whatever it might be. Uh, that's clear. And there's a confidence in wanting to get that. But then there's this kind of open-ended hope of what might actually end up on screen. And so sometimes as we're writing it or as we're shooting it and we're finding these things, you know, I want to feel open to what might happen because uh, there is this, yeah, this seeking and this hope in, in how we approach making it. And so we get these moments that are unexpectedly emotional or unexpectedly tense. Yeah. And, and then the things that we want to be funny sometimes are even funnier than we thought they would be. Yeah. I mean, everything with the father this season made me want to sob. I just, <laughs> it's just so funny. Still so, so funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah, funny. Yeah. And, you know, I think in this third season, the show obviously has just really found itself. It, it's just this like well running, just wonderful machine. I'm just like, everyone is going to enjoy the season. It's going to win awards. It's just brilliant. So <laughs> yeah. I, sorry to just like gush over it, but it is just so incredible. And, you know, I'm curious in the beginning, what was it like trying to advocate to get this kind of show on, on Hulu, on FX? What was it like working with them? You know, were they just kind of like, this isn't what we were expecting. We want this, you know, or was it just really supportive? There was a lot of support. I mean, I think though, you know, there are the um, creative things that get figured out as any new shows being made. And so I think that there were always these discussions of how broad and how wide could the show be just, and, and I actually think it's almost a compliment that from the beginning, the network was hoping that the show could be for everybody in this way that was a bit wider. I yeah. think that a lot of our initial conversations were around hyper-specificity in terms of language, you know, we would just be in these conversations of, in the script, anytime there's another language being spoken, the dialogue is italicized, whether that be Arabic or French in our show. And so we'd have these interesting conversations in the beginning where there'd be six pages in a row of italicized dialogue and, and they're going, uh, this is an American platform, you know, and then they're not quite sure how that's going to play. And so we get into that and try and advocate. And I would say that there is nothing that I advocated for while making this show that I really cared about that we didn't get to do. And also, I think now that we've gotten into the third season, there's been a lot of trust from making the show all the way through marketing the show to really lean into what makes it specific and unique and it's resulted in what I think is, for me at least, uh, by far our best season. Yeah, I mean, again, though, from the beginning, there was a lot of support. It was just more about, well, what kind of show is it? I remember we had in the pilot, um, the Rami character works at a startup that goes under and then he's aimless. Yeah. And, and so, of course, there's just the network appeal from the beginning to try and, and say, let's get more of the startup, you know, let's, like, let's find those, you know, 20 somethings in a startup. Let's do that. And then kind of saying, Oh no, actually this show is kind of about the spiritual battle between higher self and lower self. And everyone's like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like, and oh. so he's going to work in the diamond district and do like an uncut gems thing. <laughs> he's just going to pray. And, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> not sure. 
how broad that is. <laughs> no, but, um, so, so, you know, there's a lot of that, but, but again, I think we've, we've really kind of gotten to create a glitch in a way of, of some, it almost doesn't make sense that the show exists. You know? Yeah. It honestly just feels so unique that I'm, I don't know. You just expect somewhere, some network executive is just like, this shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, and also you uh, have amazing executive producers, Gerard Carmichael, Christopher Storer, uh, you know, from The Bear and Gerard Carmichael from just everything being one of the best comedians of all time. Uh, what was it like working with them? And what did you kind of learn when you then stepped into that position with Mo on Netflix? When we first pitched this show, I was on the road opening with Gerard, which was an amazing experience. And uh, he had had Carmichael show on the air at the time. And so we pitched this pretty much around the same time that that was still going on. I think that show was still happening and he was really great in like kind of helping me get the pilot going and set up. And then he was kind of on his own journey with his own life and comedy, which he like finally got yeah. to share in his amazing special that just came out. So it was yeah. kind of one of those him being like, Hey dude, I believe in you. And you know, like this is dope. And then all right, I got to go work on, you know, my life. Yeah, <laughs> so I got to go like win an Emmy and do I got to go things. like transform <laughs> and, and like, you know, come out to my family and, uh, you know, all that. Yeah, host Saturday Night Live. I just, you know, it's busy. <laughs> it's busy, you know, and so, but, you know, getting to kind of start the journey with him was really amazing. And um, my co-figures, Ari Kacher, Ryan Welch, you know, Ari had also worked on Carmichael Show. And so... It was nice, you know, uh, Chris Storer as well. I think for all of us involved, this was our, you know, this was the first single camera show that anyone had worked on. Those guys had obviously done a multi-cam sitcom. Chris had actually been in the documentary world and doing a lot of food stuff, which obviously, you know, plays off amazingly (laughs) into the bear. So I've always felt this way. And I think that part of part of this idea has already come to fruition a lot sooner than I thought, but I always felt like this show would be something that you'd look back on years later in the way that people look at like a freaks and geeks and say, look at how many people that we love are involved with this thing, you know, and that was even just like one cult season. And so I think we've been lucky to even already get to do three and hopefully we get to do four, but um, you know, between our cast and behind the camera, it's been this, uh, I think, training ground of all this awesome filmmaking and acting and, and you know, creative energy, you know. And, and so yeah, a lot of people have been in and out throughout the process. And obviously, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of support and been able to be in a position from pretty early on that I got to lead it with what I had always wanted to do with a show like this. And then it's gotten to grow to, again, like where it's been. And so it's just been great working with everybody and 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 seeing, you know, our actors too. Uh, Meg, who plays my sister, who's just the star of Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac. And yeah. Mackley, who plays my uncles, uh, one of the one of the stars in Miss Marvel. And, and obviously, Kiyama Bass is just like already a star and continues succession. And, yeah. And then... <laughs> everything like the old man hellraiser you know whatever everyone is just like amazing and then obviously mo yeah you know i i even after working on the show for just one season it was really almost immediately after i think the summer after the first season came out i uh was you know talking with mo and and it became really clear i i actually at the time was so excited by that show and unsure of how 
much time I would get doing this show. You know, just, yeah. it's it's like the comedian in us where we're just okay. You know, we're never going to take anything for granted, and we're yeah. never going to you say yes to everything. Anything. Yeah, you're just like let's go. This feels here. Let's ne- go. Never going to assume. You know, but I, I really felt very early on that we could make something really hooky and really special, and just this idea of people who work under the table was always really fascinating to me. And then getting to put that through a refugee lens and through a Palestinian lens, um, that, that was so exciting. And so I think even just off of the first season where we made a show that I think is very emotional and spiritual and philosophical yeah. and it's kind of inward, it felt really exciting. And in some ways, I don't want to say easier is not the right word, but I just felt a real creative rush. Like I remember putting together that pitch and thinking, Oh, this is just like crap. Like it's just yeah. it's right there. This dude doesn't have his green card. He's in Texas. He's, into, and he's yeah. hustling and he's hustling. And that just felt, you know, the level of propulsion and poppiness around that was fun. And I remember, you know, breaking that pilot real quick and, and, and knowing that we could do something really cool. And, yeah, and, and so, it's a, it's a brilliant pilot. If you haven't watched it on Netflix yet, please go. I, I've been telling people to watch every week. So if you listen to the podcast, you should have watched it. You should have. appreciate that. Like, yeah. So it's been really fun to get to make two totally different things. And, um, and you know, there's the stress of doing it at the same time, but then yeah. I would say a week like this week where, both shows are out and there's a tiny bit of a respite, probably not for long, hopefully, where you get to kind of look back and say, oh man, you know, not sleeping uh, was dope. You know, it paid off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. After the break, we'll talk more about the portrayal of Texas and Mo and how Rami turns his stand-up stories into TV. Stick around. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I know Mo, a lot of the show, also I'm from Texas and just seeing such a diverse portrayal of Texas is beautiful. It's just what I always want to show people about the state. Like, no, it's not just all Republicans. There are other people here with different experiences. And that was great. You know, my family loved watching it. And I know that Mo pulls a lot of it from his set. And I believe you do too, from like, you know, the first season of Rami. What is that process kind of like? Just what jokes trying to find that narrative, you know, in your life that's like, okay, this works on stage. Does this work on the show? Something that I learned making 
our Hulu show that, that was immediately transferable in making the Netflix show was understanding that, look, a lot of comics have transitioned into television or try to transition in television. And a lot of the times, you know, the success rate can be shaky depending yeah. on how it goes. Sometimes it's just amazing stand-up doesn't quite feel like a show. And I think the number one thing is for us at least, and, 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 and this is debatable depending on whether you're into this kind of thing or this kind of tone. But for me, the thing that has, has felt most enjoyable is making sure that the premise, but at its core of a scene or of an episode or of a show needs to have stakes, you know, like that the premise or the scenario or the tension isn't the thing that should be funny as much as you bring the funny to the thing that feels really human and feels really real. And so the scenario might not, I mean, inherently not having a green card isn't necessarily funny. Inherently the idea of guilt and sinning and the pressure to not do it might not inherently be funny, but it creates this pressure cooker where almost everything that happens within that is, is really funny because you care so much. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing about stand up on stage is you could just make the whole thing funny the whole time. You don't necessarily need to like dig in. Yeah. That's why I love stand up. You don't actually have to dig into the issues. You just make the jokes. It's just the funny part. <laughs> yeah. You might not even need to set the stage for any of it, you know? Um, but I think translating that into the show, it's almost important that the story feel really clear, almost inherently emotional so that then you can put all the jokes on top of it. And so I think that's the way that we write both shows. And then I think the way we execute tone in a way is reflective of Mo and I's different stand-up styles and our stories and kind of what where our interests lie in terms of how to talk about certain tension. And so I think that's also why they look and feel different too. Yeah, I'd say Mo has made a little more confidence than Rami, a little more sure of himself. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. uh, and I think in this third season, I will say my favorite comedic moments, I got to say you were kind of outshined by Bella Hadid. She, <laughs> I was, I was excited when I saw she was going to be on the show. I was like, what are they going to have her do? And then she was so funny. I was just amazed at how funny she was. But before sort of her role was explained, and I knew because I got to see the screener. So I was like, I know what role she's playing. But there was this like conversation online of like, of course, they hired this hot model and Rami's just going to have some hot model play his girlfriend because that's what these male comedians do. They just use these shows to be around hot girls. And I, I was know. just like, just wait, everyone, please. I know it was amazing. And I actually, I thought it was, it, to me, it was really funny because we did this GQ press article and they asked what her character was and I didn't want to give too much away. And so he said that she plays a weird girlfriend. And I think everyone just assumed she would be my weird girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was actually something very funny and satisfying about the, um, the, the little switcheroo because it, it is this, you would think that's what it is. And then, you know, I think when we dropped the, the first trailer, everyone was like, she plays Steve's girlfriend, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. What is this role? What the fuck is this? Like, wait, what? It immediately got exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole joke is you're obsessed with the office. It was just, 
it was great. And yeah, I, I enjoyed finally afterwards being like, see you guys. It wasn't. <laughs> see, he, like I said, Rami is the least liked character. He's not giving himself a hot girlfriend. No. Nope. <laughs> so I want to get into, you know, the shows you watched growing up. What TV did you love? What kind of inspired your love for TV, your vision for TV? It's not exactly about TV so much as I was very comedically inspired by Carlin records. I, I, I just loved George Carlin and my uncle, you know, I had this uncle, the uncle that shows you stuff you're not supposed to see, you know? And I remember going to his room and it was this, uh, you know, he had Napster and, and Kazaa and all the illegal stuff. And we listened to music. He showed me the Pink Floyd, the wall movie, what, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. Horrifying, you know, (laughs) just these images that would haunt me, uh, but were so, you know, potent. And, but I remember him playing Carlin for me and he also spoke like Carlin, you know, he'd have these rants and it was very interesting because he was so funny, but also so, he had so much conviction and I think it wasn't just him, but kind of my whole family. There was always something very interesting to me about uh, how funny it is when someone really believes everything that they're saying, whether it's true or not. There's just something so funny about conviction. And I think, yeah. again, when I would watch things, I realized I would gravitate towards things where everyone had just really deep conviction. I think it's why Seinfeld is so funny because it's everyone's fully convinced of what they're saying, you know, uh, and then when they waver, uh, it's even more funny because they were so convinced. And, yeah. and so I, I felt very attracted to that in terms of how I wanted to approach making anything. And, and so uh, that was very, very influential for me. Um, the way that, that, that that would present itself, not just in my family, but I, I would say, you know, these, these Carlin records were really fantastic. Yeah. And I, I'm curious because, you know, for me growing up as a young black girl, I remember shows like Living Single and all of that, like really inspiring me and going like, whoa, you know, my story's going to be on TV. And for Middle Eastern stories, it's you. Like people are like, finally, thanks to Rami, <laughs> it's all you. We have this representation finally happening now, <laughs> you know, and I, I believe there was a study that came out that was still it's like one to three percent of TV appearances are Middle Eastern people. And that's just not right for how how that population is in the world. It's it's a you know, it's not represented well. But now everyone is so happy about you. And every article is, it's Rami. Like, now we're fixing it. How does that feel? Like, what is that pressure <laughs> to know that you're supposed to be, like, launching this generation of TV that's going to inspire everyone and it's all on you? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it doesn't feel like pressure just because I, I truly don't believe that it's all on me. I think that it's just the beginning. And I think even with, and I think what's been so interesting is Mo has this bank of stand-up for, you know, he's been a machine. He's been doing stand-up probably for 20 years. You know, and he had all yeah. this stand-up and he had already had a special with Netflix and it felt like a no-brainer for them to make his show. My show, I, I, I probably had an hour stand-up tape, but a bunch of ideas as to how, you know, I had been writing movie ideas and I'd been working on a couple of things that felt uh, exciting to me. And then I kind of threw them all into the show and into a pitch and kind of talked about what that could be. And so, um, again... It, it's been cool that you kind of have two shows 
about Arab guys. And in a way, that's limiting, right? Because we're really only hearing from two guys. And, and I would say, you know, our show on Hulu arguably has become more of an ensemble show. Yeah. But still, I'm the one authoring it and I'm the one kind of, you know, running point on it. You know, you have Lady Parts on Peacock, which has uh, a really cool British Muslim woman perspective. But I would say that, I, I say all that to say that the landscape is actually just beginning. You know, we have yeah. so many voices we haven't heard from, uh, particularly women. And that's something that in just starting to crack open the door, I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm looking to try and support being involved in, in, in producing something for women who, who want to find that avenue to get on screen in, in the way that we have with these two shows. So I don't feel the pressure. I actually feel like it's just the beginning. And I think a lot of people feel the way that you said and that, oh my God, we finally have it. And definitely a lot of people feel like, you know, oh, this isn't what we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't what we were waiting for. Like this guy's just, you know, <laughs> talking about porn and, and getting into all this, you know, kind of like, darker themes and this and that, and this isn't what we were looking for. And then, you know, but then some of those people love what we've done on Mo. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then vice versa, you know, there's some people who are like, you know, like crave more of, of some of the darker themes we get into in the Hulu show. And, uh, you know, so, so uh, again, it's been nice to be part of uh, just the beginning, I think. Yeah, I love that you brought up We Are Lady Parts. I love that show. I I just thought it was so great. And I'm happy it's getting another season. We need Mo to get another season. She's very talented. And, and, and I know she's got a movie coming out too. And she's somebody that I'm definitely just a really big fan of. So what else are like moderate, like current things you're watching? Like, you know, are you someone who likes to watch a lot of TV when you're working on something or when you're on set? Or are you just kind of like, I have to step away from everything else and just like exist in a vacuum? <laughs> I'm kind of just, I'm starting to maybe watch stuff now. I haven't watched anything for almost a year and a half because I felt I don't like looking at stuff while making stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, but now I'm really excited because I, I get to catch up on, you know, seasons three and four of Atlanta, which will be cool. Yeah. I kind of haven't gotten to see any of it. Um, I want to check out the rehearsal, uh, and, 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 and get into the, you know, inevitable fucked upness of Nathan, uh, which yeah. is always, you know, I think what, what's interesting about that too, always is with him and his work is, uh, I really like the moral questions that he kind of forces onto us in terms of what we're laughing at and what's acceptable and yeah. even what his intentions are. And I don't even know that I know what they are, but I think the fact that he, is proposing that we have to think about our own is really exciting. And so anything that kind of pushes us towards that direction is really cool. Yeah. You are going to have like a, an amazing list of TV to catch up on. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, <laughs> what, yeah. What do you recommend? Yeah. Uh, have you done Reservation Dogs? No. I'm dying. Oh, come I on. I heard it's so cool. Yeah. 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 I know. I mean, did you watch your friend show The Bear? Did you, I mean, did you watch? Oh, The Bear, I did. Okay, yeah. That's that's, that's a contractual obligation. (laughs) Just by being, you know, best friends with Chris Storm. He made me, of course. Yeah, okay. Uh, So you you got that one off the list. Okay, that's one of the must-watches of the year. Yeah, so good. (laughs) I was amazing in it. I mean, it's just, it's so good. She's incredible. She's incredible. I mean, and, and she's actually somebody that I've always known was so dope but to get to see it happening even if you saw and, and knew and saw her early on or yeah whatever, uh just yeah 
seeing it's, those intentions yeah, become reality it's is always, so amazing. Yeah, wild when I see comedians I've done shows with who are so funny and great on stage and then they are cast in something where they're serious and they're a real actor. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Whoa, this is really good. And obviously the rehearsal, you had a lot of TV to watch. I would say I reservation. Yeah. Reservation dogs, the whole two whole seasons. You know? I know. And they're doing a third, right? Which is so cool. There's no way that yeah. show's not getting renewed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. I'm curious. Do you do any like reality TV? Do you like just fully in a vacuum? Like I. No, I definitely don't seek it. If it's maybe maybe if it's on, I'll I'll take a look at what's going on. You know, I definitely think it's fascinating on a level. But yeah, no. Yeah, and one of those people <laughs> when I'm writing, I'm like, all I can watch is 90 Day Fiance. Like I don't want to watch anything that's going to make me be like, oh, why didn't 90 I? 90 Day Fiance is. Crack. I will stay See? up and watch that. I mean, that's, but that's the thing. It's just too addicting. I can't do it. It's yeah. so, it's so funny. It's so it's funny. genuinely so funny. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it was included in that report on Middle Eastern representation on television, which I was just like, I don't think we should be including 90 Day Fiance in any of those numbers. Like it should not be in any studies. <laughs> it's we always so funny. It's like this guy, like, cause there'd be like, I remember there was one I was watching. It was like, this girl was like, I don't even know how old she was. She was probably in her twenties and converted to Islam to go see some guy and follow him for something. And then they, they would play this, this like hilarious. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. They do like the like mysterious Middle Eastern music. And, and then they like, it's like shaky camera and they walk in on her praying. And I was like, it had like Homeland energy. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, but the situation was creepy. And so I was just definitely feeling like, there's no way this helps us, but this is hilarious. Yeah. Like, regardless, this is very it's funny. It's very funny. <laughs> Just like Homeland. No way this helps us. Pretty good show. Pretty I mean, good. The first season. Oh, amazing. That, those first couple seasons are. Yeah. Pretty, you must watch great. TV. It's good pretty stuff. Great. That, that, was, that was definitely guilt watching for me. Yeah. I said, look, I know this doesn't make us look good. But man, this is a good show. Yeah, and so maybe, it. you know, a 50-year-old woman on 90 Day Fiance who, you know, goes to Saudi Arabia and then realizes she has to make her own wine in a toilet. It's funny. It's funny. Is <laughs> that a storyline? It is, yeah. Yeah, she, like, goes over there to marry, and she's like, what do you mean I can't buy alcohol? She's just, like, oh shocked. She's like, God. and she goes online and finds all the ingredients to make, like, toilet wine, and then her fiancé is like, no, they will look at what you're searching. You, ha- you can't have any of this in our home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, so. No, it... She just didn't know where to go. You can get wine anywhere, but yeah. not not that I've not that I've done it. But anyone who knows anyone in the Middle East knows they know how to party. Yeah. So I think I think I think that was true. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Lisa knew that many people. I don't think fifty six year old Lisa was like in the streets partying <laughs> with her twenty five year old fiance. <laughs> Fair. If you get another season of Rami, what are some themes you want to explore? What are you kind of excited about when it? You know, like you said, you're at this beginning. What what do you see coming coming forward? I I think that the show in a lot of ways over the seasons has been kind of tracking a bit of an ego death for this character. And so I'm excited to see him turn a corner. I'm excited to feel yeah, a genuine new beginning for him to feel what could a healthy life, what could optimism look like on him. Uh, even if just for a few moments. And, and I think that, yeah. uh, you know, getting to close the story with, with that uh, would be really satisfying, you know, in our own fucked up way. Yeah. I think it's been like two seasons since we've seen Rami be happy. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> but, yeah. you know, I think we want him to turn that corner. Will he? Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. But maybe people will like him in this next season. <laughs> and I have no doubt you're getting renewed. Come on. It's come on. I, I hope I'm, I'm saying it. And so it's happening. If I say it, it's going to happen. Come on. And Mo, oh, too. I need another season for Mo. It, Please. God, and that finale was just such a cliffhanger. I was kind of upset that I was just like, is he is he going to make it back? We don't know. I'm not, again, no spoilers here on TV, I say. But go watch yes. Mo. Go watch Rami. Go watch We Are Lady Parts. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Ashley. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What a wonderful conversation with such a brilliant young man whom I spoke to respectfully, whose talent I appreciate in a respectful way. Go watch Rami and Mo. That's all I have to say about it. What do we have coming up? Let me give you some homework, some things to watch over the weekend. We got The Outlaws season two on Prime Video, which actually has been out for a while but I did the, I watched all of it except for the finale and I still have one episode left and decided I'm going to watch it this weekend. So if you want to jump in with me, catch up on the outlaw season two, you probably didn't watch season one, but you got Christopher Walken. It's great. Steven Merchant. Uh, I did a talk with him last season and we were on uh, wait, wait, don't tell me together. Uh, so go watch the outlaws uh, house of dragons finale. We're going to be talking about the finale in depth next week. Obviously, this dragon show pulled us all in, didn't it? We we came with our doubt, our cynicism. And at the end of the day, here we are all sitting together wondering what's going to happen with the dragons and the incest family. They did it again, everybody. Uh, but, you know, this last episode, even the kind of dramatic twist they added at the end, just it, it failed to really grab me. I felt like it was a safer ploy than what the old Game of Thrones would have done. You know, there would have been blood in the old Game of Thrones. Uh, Not that they can stray too far from the text, but I I just was a little like, oh, that's it? Okay. So we're going to get into the finale, which I'm sure will probably disappoint me. I also want you to watch Losa Spookies. I know every week I've been telling you to watch Losa Spookies. I've been tweeting about it so much. It is just truly having its best season. Julio Torres's performance, there's this moment in last week's episode where he plays a flute and a horse comes and it is just, I wanted to give him an Emmy immediately. I wanted to give them an Emmy right then and there. So 
I need you all to watch Los Spookies and talk about it because if it doesn't get another season, I will be upset. Uh, we also have the patient finale on Hulu uh, coming up. There's only one episode left. I have decided the patient is the best comedy on TV right now. <laughs> I, like if you really get into it as a thriller, I know people have said it moves too slowly. They're getting sick of it as a thriller. Sure. As a comedy, it's hilarious. Like the end of this last episode when he decides to do a big thing and he is repeating what this other serial killer says. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go fuck his skull. <laughs> And Steve Carell's character is like, what? And then he's like, I'm joking. It is so funny. So I believe The Patient is is one of the best comedies on TV. And I also want you to go watch Little Demon because last week's episode of Little Demon had some super lesbian stuff in it. Pamela Adlon was there being really gay. So that's a little treat for you, especially if you uh, if you're like me and you miss Harley Quinn. And I do. So go check that out. That is our episode. If you need more, if you want more TV, go join the Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. I say club. We are talking about Lower Decks, Smothered, that 70s show. I have some more Atlanta thoughts over there, you know, and also just some old TV I've been watching. I don't know why I've been doing an office rewatch, just something about craving a maybe a more basic, simple life. You know, over the summer, I, I went to Texas. I, I met someone. Uh, we like had this, you know, fun night of, of on tour, uh, runaway bliss. And they told me they were like, I'm a huge fan of the office. And I was like, like, you know, like most people are fans of the office. And they were like, no, like I'm a huge fan of the office. And then they pulled their pants. They had on uh box, like the office boxers, like boxers that just said the office. And I thought, wow, I could just move to the middle of this country live a simple life where I love the office and I have three kids. But here I am hosting TV I Say Club with you talking about my favorite shows and it's way better. <laughs> it's way better. So that's your homework. You got a bunch of stuff from the watch list and you probably got to go watch We Are Lady Parts, Rami Mo. That just Make that your weekend and have the best time. I am just, again, so glad you're listening. Join the Patreon if you want more. Go listen, Go follow the newsletter. We're having a good time over there keep sending us your voice messages of the TV you're watching and thank you again for listening TV I say with Ashley Ray another episode another episode TV I say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me Ashley Ray Harris it's engineered by Marina Pais and produced by Amelia Chapelo and our original theme song is by Rafia you can follow me on social media at the Ashley Ray on Instagram and Twitter. Or if you have TV related requests, something you want us to talk about on the podcast, hit us up at TV I Say Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And also TV Club has merch at podswag.com. Look out for cute weed accessories. I'm talking dab pens, grinders, rolling trays. Uh, I got t-shirts so you can show everyone that you love TV Club. Uh, I got t-shirts that say justice for the big leap everything you need. Tell your friends about the show. Make sure to rate and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For special TV club members, join my Patreon. If you want to tell me what to watch, that's the way to do it. Join the Patreon and I will write about whatever you want, talk about whatever you want. I'll watch TV with you if you want. Uh, But you can find my full archive, ad-free episodes of TV I Say over on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code TVISAY, all one word, for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. 
For photos, show notes, transcripts, and more, go to earwolf.com. Baby, I see.